Welcome to Ridgewood Talks. Through this podcast, we'll be introducing you to some of the leaders and legends in our village. We'll keep you updated about fascinating local events, and we'll dig into the town's hot topics and so much more. But first, let me introduce myself. I'm Jeannie Johnson, the founder of Ridgewood Talks and Ridgewood Walks. The goal of these initiatives is to create a kinder, more connected, and a more vibrant community. I'm thrilled to be co-hosting this podcast with my good friend and all-around wonderful guy, Jordan Kaufman. We look forward to meeting with you weekly, and we look forward to hearing your thoughts on who and what you'd like to learn about in our beautiful hometown. Enjoy this episode, and until we meet again, be kind and do good. Hey, Jordan, how you doing? Doing well, doing well. Enjoying the weather. We got an election coming up. Yeah. So uh, I think it's it's a good and appropriate time to really thank our guests uh, mm-hmm. running for council, running for one of two seats uh, this year's ballot for village council. Uh, we really want to thank him for taking the time to join us today and talk a little bit about some of the questions that we've got. And here's some of the answers and value that he's planning on bringing to our community. Well, before we go into that, I just want to point out that we invited everybody to all the council candidates to be on the podcast. And we also had identical questions for everyone to kick it off. Are you ready, Mr. White? Absolutely. And thank you so much. You're so welcome. In your opinion, what are the most pressing issues facing the village? So first, thank you, Jordan. Thank you, Jeannie, for the opportunity to speak on this stuff. Um, It really is critically important and anything we can do to get folks more informed about the election on November 8th, uh, I'm all for. Um, So thank you guys for doing that. So with that, you know, there are a couple of priorities I have if I get to the council. So first and foremost, I really want to revitalize our downtown. Um, And I think the, you know, the biggest thing we can do to revitalize our downtown is to bring back the pedestrian mall. And this is a key point because this is an area where not all the candidates agree. I know Siobhan and I really favor it and and the other candidates don't. Um, But, you know, when my wife and I moved to Ridgewood, we really moved here because of the sense of community. And there was, you know, if there's anything good that came out of COVID and there was almost nothing good, but if there's anything good that came out of it, really was that sense of community you had when you got to walk down Ridgewood Avenue, see your friends, see your neighbors, invite friends from other towns to really enjoy what's so great about Ridgewood and, and the Central Business District. And I was so happy when I saw so many other towns like Summit, Westfield, and Red Bank kept their pedestrian malls that I assumed Ridgewood would do the same. And last summer, uh, it was just an absolute ghost town downtown. Um, we were missing that sense of community. We were missing that vital, that vital downtown that I think lured so many of us to Ridgewood in the first place. And one of the things that makes this place so special. Um, in addition to the sense of community, it also increased foot traffic for our retail uh, businesses, which were struggling downtown. Um, it significantly increased uh, restaurant capacity for the warmer months. You know, if you talk to any of the restaurant owners, and there's so many of them downtown, they make all their money between Memorial Day and Labor Day. And to be able to uh, attract more people from out of town and to seat more people was really a boon for them um, as well. And again, attractive visitors to downtown Ridgewood who may have otherwise not come uh, as you know uh, because of the lure that was the um, that was the pedestrian plaza. And uh, finally, it was a win-win because what it did was ultimately that's going to drive up the value of that property downtown, which contributes to our tax base and means that we could you know uh, take some of the burden off of Ridgewood taxpayers because you know if the businesses are making more money, they should pay more in property taxes. Now, now, I know some retailers uh, did object or a handful of, of businesses, and I would certainly work with them to see how we can um, limit anything negative or perceived negative uh, that they got out of the pedestrian mall. But at the end of the day, we really need to bring that back. Uh, and I think it's one of the key things we need to revitalize and clean up our downtown. 
you know, in addition to downtown, I also feel really strongly against overdevelopment. Um, again, you know, when my wife and I came here, we really came here because of the unique character of the village and really need to preserve that. And I feel really strongly that any new development uh, in Ridgewood must be carefully scrutinized and match the character of the village and be in the best interest of the current residents. Now, the next council is gonna to need to deal with this. We need to have smart people on the council that were willing to make decisions. You know, you, you can't put the village in a snow globe and just pretend it's gonna stay the same forever. Uh, change is, is inevitable, but as we change and as we develop, we have to do so in a smart way. And I think that's an area where, where I could really, um, I really can add value. And I wanna be really clear on, 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 on my priority here is that, you know, I wanna make sure that the next generation of Ridgewood residents inherit a place just as beautiful as the Ridgewood that all of us inherited uh, when we chose to make a life here. Um, you know, finally, I also feel strongly about better services. Um, you know, again, one of the things that makes Ridgewood special is the, is the amount of services we get from our municipal government. And there are a couple of things we can just do better. Um, so first, hybrid access to village council meetings is something I feel strongly about. Um, the Board of Education makes it very easy for parents to participate in their Board of Ed meetings. If they can't physically make it to the building. You can zoom into those meetings to participate. Virtually every private sector uh, company at this point has now using Zoom or its similar technology to allow folks to attend meetings virtually. Yet our current village council has elected to not use Zoom uh, and make it harder for people to access democracy. Um, this to me really matters. Um, you have people with disabilities, you have people who are older, you have people with young kids, uh, folks who are so COVID sensitive. We should be, we should making the tent bigger and make participating in democracy easier, not making harder, which is what I think we did when we uh, said no to hybrid access. Similarly, we need to maximize the use of our fields for our kids and communities. Um, you know, one of the things I feel strongly about is the Shedler project should be done already. That has an extra field for our kids to use. Uh, it is, you know, a bit of embarrassment that the project has taken so long and is still not finished. I also think we need to do things to minimize flooding on some of those fields and do what we can to protect activities like pickleball uh, for some of our other folks as well. But this is an area where we can just do a better job. I also wanna see more responsiveness from some of our village services. Um, you know, one of the things that really drives me crazy is the state of our roads. When you drive in from Glen Rock or you're driving from Wyckoff, you, there's a noticeable difference the moment you enter into Ridgewood uh, in terms of the number of potholes, the quality of our streets. Um, that just shouldn't be. And that's, I think, in something where the tone from the top really needs to change at Village Hall to make sure that we get things like that, basic blocking and tackling of good government fixed. And finally, I feel really strong about supporting police, fire, and EMS. Uh, we make, need to make sure that the people that keep us safe have all the tools that they need uh, to do their job well uh, and, and to do their job right. Thanks so much, Evan, for uh, walking us through so many, I mean, a lot of pressing issues that uh, Ridgewood has, you know, really putting in a condensed format for, I think, a lot of the listeners to get a taste on, on some of the things, because everyone probably has a couple on their mm -hmm. list that, that they would have from that. But that's a pretty, um, you know, extensive list right there of kind of a lot of the issues, which have been talked about in the town and that some who are very involved know about mm -hmm. maybe some of our listeners who either just moved to town or uh, haven't been as involved because they're running from kids mm -hmm. and stuff like that uh, aren't up on. So thanks for sharing all of those issues. What we want to ask you as a follow-up to that, what do you think is the most important skill in being an effective council person? Yeah. And that's a great question. Um, I think the most important thing, uh, well, the two things I want to highlight is, the first is listening to the community, and the second is civility. And I think we've gotten away from both of those um, in recent history. Um, in terms of listening to the community, I think public officials um, tend to talk too much. <laughs> I think they, and hopefully I could say we someday, uh, need to listen more 
Um, I feel really strong about being accessible uh, to those residents and hearing what they have to say and listening to them and not just thinking that I'm, you know, I know everything. That's, that's just not the case. Again, it goes back to, I think, why hybrid access is so important. I want to hear from more voices in the community, not less. And certainly if I'm on the council, I plan on making myself accessible to, you know, everyday citizens to understand what's going on in, in, in the village and see what people are, are worried and concerned about. Um, also, I think civility is a really important skill. And again, it's something we've really gotten away from. Um, I think the art of being able to disagree without being disagreeable is something we've lost. Um, there'll be times when I disagree, you know, extensively with some of my colleagues on the council, but I can guarantee you we'll never get nasty, we'll never get personal. And so the vitriol that we've seen out of the current council or previous councils in recent memory to me is, it's really unacceptable. Um, we need to go back to remembering that at the end of the day, we're all neighbors, we all want what's best for Ridgewood. And that's something that I carry with me, you know, every time I step up to the, to the, uh, into the village hall. I like what you're saying there and thank you. You know, one of the questions that I hear it often is, what is the Faulkner Act? And so I want to know what your understanding of the Faulkner Act is. Yeah, no, another great question. And, and I'm gonna, I guess, put on my law, my legal hat a little bit and talk a little bit about the Faulkner Act, but hopefully, you know, um, hopefully distill it down to kind of the things that people really just need to know. So the Faulkner Act is a New Jersey state statute that dictates how municipalities like Bridgewood organize their government. Um, and we in Ridgewood have chosen one of those um, options that we call the village format, which is why we're the village of Ridgewood is based upon our style of government um, as defined within the Faulkner Act. And what the village format calls for in our case is the election of council people who then elect a mayor and then a deputy mayor of the village. So right now we have five council people and there's elections every two years and they alternate. So, you know, this year, two seats are up and two years, three seats are up and four years, two seats are up and so on and so forth. And after every election, every two years is a reorganization meeting. And at that reorganization meeting amongst the five council people, they elect uh, within those five who will be mayor and then who will be deputy mayor. Um, so it's almost a bit like parliament where the parliamentarians actually dictate who's gonna lead the, the body. And that's the way the council works. I think what's interesting, what a lot of folks would appreciate, and again, something we've really gotten away from, I think in the last few years, is there is no executive power uh, in the mayor uh, or the deputy mayor. Um, the way I view it um, is we are basically a board of directors. Um, you know, we're there to make decisions, to vote on the budget. Uh, but at the end of the day, we leave the day-to-day -day running to village employees. And I liken the village manager is basically the CEO who is responsible to us as the board of directors on the council. Um, and I view our role within the council under the Faulkner Act uh, is to hire good people. Uh, and then we hold them accountable for making sure that the needs of the village are being met and the residents are well served. And if they're not, then we make decisions that may be to the contrary. Um, but at the end of the day, we're not there to run the village ourselves under the Faulkner Act. And we're not there to you know, substitute our judgment for the professionals that we hire to run the day-to-day -day workings of the village. And we're not there to exercise executive power under the Faulkner Act. Our role is as the board of directors, and again, hire smart people, set an agenda, and then hold them accountable for meeting that agenda and the needs of the village. So I just wanna do a quick follow-up to that. Everyone on the council holds the same amount of power. In other words, the deputy mayor and the mayor doesn't they don't have any um, extra duties or they don't hold any extra power over the other council people. Is that correct? Right. So, I mean, the mayor and the deputy mayor get to set the agenda at the meetings and run the meetings, which is important because, you know, what gets on the agenda is, is important. Uh, I think there are a couple other ministerial things, like I think they get to marry folks where some of the council people, I think, don't. Uh, but to your point, absolutely, at the end of the day, they're basically first amongst equals, but all five council people run the village together. Because our next question is, if you found yourself, if you ever found yourself mm -hmm. in 
ethical dilemma. It will describe the ethical dilemma that you faced, mm-hmm. how you resolved it. Yeah, so it's it's a great question. It really goes to the heart of things that I feel really strongly about. So I can tell you the probably the best professional advice I've ever received in my life is that your reputation is the most important thing that you have. Mm-hmm. And I put character and integrity above everything else. Nothing matters more than that. And to me, part of that is not just avoiding any impropriety or conflict of interest. You know, our elected officials, you know, even ourselves in day to day, we need to avoid even any appearance of impropriety or conflict of interest. Um, and that's me really matters. Perception matters. And we need to help hold ourselves to a higher standard. And really, integrity is key. Um, you know, as, um, as I think we were chatting offline about, your, I spent the first uh, half of my career as a, in public service as a prosecutor. And that's really, you know, what I still probably, what I probably still identify most as is a criminal prosecutor. I got out of law school, spent several years in the Manhattan DA's office handling violent crimes, the domestic violence unit, crimes against children. And then ultimately um, went on to the Department of Justice where I, hired, where I handled white collar, uh, complex financial and white collar crimes. Um, and when you're a prosecutor, you learn very quickly about something called the Brady Rule. And the Brady Rule says that if you're aware of any evidence that potentially shows that a defendant is innocent, you have to turn that evidence over to the defense attorney. Uh, it's not optional. It is required. And failure to do so is not, only, is not only not doing your jobs an injustice. And the problem, though, is sometimes you look at a piece of information and you wonder, does this really help the defendant or not? Because if it helps the defendant, you got to turn it over. But sometimes there may be something that may be innocuous, maybe not, but you don't know because you don't know what the defense is going to argue. Uh, and we always follow something called, at least I always follow something called the 10 second rule when it came to Brady, what we call Brady material, which was if I had to think about it for more than 10 seconds, I just turned it over. I just wanted to avoid any, even an appearance of impropriety or that I was hiding evidence from the defense. So to me, if it was something that there was even a straight faced argument or even anything that took me more than 10 seconds to think through on the 10 seconds that, you know what, I'm not even going to continue, just turn it over and, and, and have an open book. Mm-hmm. And so what I've always followed in my day-to-day life and when I take them to the village, that it's a close call, recuse yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, if there's something that's going to bring, you know, dishonor onto the village or even an appearance of dishonor or anything that can besmirch your integrity, just recuse yourself or to would do with it's ethically right, uh, even if it may be personally difficult. Um, mm-hmm. And so that's always something I've followed in my personal life and something in my professional career and something that I'll certainly uh, take with me to the village hall. That's good. Um, I'd like to know why you think you're the best person for this position. <laughs> So there are a lot of smart people in Bergen County, um, you know, and uh, there are only four of us running. A lot of smart people in Ridgewood, but I do think that I'm qualified for the role and, and something that I think would be very good at. I think one of the things that separates me from some of the other candidates is I'm the only candidate who's gotten both success and results in both the public and the private sector. You know, as I mentioned, I spent the first uh, 13 and a half, 14 years of my career as a prosecutor. Uh, I was responsible for some of the biggest cases brought by the Department of Justice in the New York City area. Uh, in the decade that I spent as a federal prosecutor, it involved leading large teams of, of agents, it involved getting results for crime victims. Um, it's something that um, you know I received a number of awards for, and something that I, I remain eminently proud of to this day. Um, about eight years ago, I went to the private sector, uh, where I quickly became a managing director of one of the largest banks in the world. Um, and in the private sector, you know, I've had to manage very large teams. Uh, I've had to kind of cut through sort of corporate speak and, and get results in a large corporate environment. Um, and I think really that, that experience of being able to get results both in public and private sectors does set me apart and I think will make me really successful on the council village, uh, sorry, on the, on the village council. 
Uh, I will say, you know, in general, I'm fair, um, I'm detail orientated, but at the end of the day, I like results. I, I want to see, you know, I want to see results that benefit this village and benefit the residents. And that's something that I'm going to fight for. Thanks for, uh, you know, that, that description is, is very helpful and leads us to a next question that I think also adds some light into uh, what kind of uh, person you'd be on the village council, which is how do you describe your management style? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, I mean, you know, going back to some stuff I said before, I mean, it's a great question, but I don't think we manage on the village council. Uh, you know, we're, we're not day-to-day managers. And I think that's something we need to remind ourselves that we're there to you know, set an agenda and then hold people accountable for that. With that, you know, I've had a tremendous amount of management experience. Um, when I was in the U.S. Attorney's Office, I was a supervisor uh, of other lawyers. I've had a number of opportunities, you know, had to direct uh, large teams of agents as part of cases. Um, in the private sector, I've had teams that were numbering in the several hundreds uh, that have reported it to me. Um, so I generally have a tremendous amount of, uh, of management experience. In terms of things that I've learned, and, you know, if I could say quickly, kind of the way that I do manage when it's appropriate, I abhor micromanaging. Uh, it drives me crazy. Uh, I'm going to follow the same rule to council that I follow when in the private sector. Um, my job is to hire support people, give them direction and support, make sure they have the tools to get the job done, but then again, hold them accountable for getting results. Uh, and that's the way that I, I, I operate in the private sector. And that's the way I think you should operate on the village council. Finally, I will just say that I generally have two rules that I always remember when it comes to management. First is I will work just as hard as the people that I manage. There's nothing better than showing them by example what you expect in terms of you know, work ethic. And I hold myself to that standard. And I'm always a big fan of the golden rule of praise in public and only criticize in private. That's a good one. I learned that when I was raising my kids. So the last question we have uh, for you today, Evan, is how do you plan to involve residents in the decision-making process in our town? Yeah, another great question. That comes back again, I think the hybrid access, increasing the voices that we hear from. Um, again, really being available to citizens, You know, making myself available through email, uh, potentially office hours, um, but I want to make sure that the residents, you know, that I, the residents have my ear. I need to make sure of that. Um, I also think that one of the really most important things is that we have a village council that represents uh, the village as a whole. And, you know, as I mentioned before, if I'm on the council, I'll be the only uh, village council member with kids in our, in our schools. Uh, I'll be the only uh, member of the council that knows what it's like to commute to Manhattan on a regular basis. And I think that really gives me an opportunity to speak for a really large number of families in the village that have really haven't had people with that experience sitting on the council in the past. And I think by having a rich diversity of backgrounds on the council and, and places where we are in life, I think only makes the council a better place. And again, gives me a bit of an insight into, you know, kind of the day-to-day life of a lot of the people that we serve uh, and something, again, that I'll bring to the to village hall when I'm, when I'm elected. Terrific. Well, I'm very appreciative that you took the time to be with us uh, today on this podcast, and I hope that we'll um, tell all your friends to listen to it. I hope that we have a lot of listeners. I hope that the listeners will have taken part in the debate. I hope that our listeners will go and research every single one of the candidates. It's Siobhan Winograd, Evan Weitz. Thank you. (laughs) we have incumbent susan knudsen and we have james van gore so i don't know what everyone's website addresses are but we will have evans and siobhan's posted when we post uh, you know as we are posting these otherwise i would make sure that we had the other candidates but it's that's out there somewhere so please try and find it um we we here at ridgewood talks want to make sure that everyone makes an educated 
um, decision when they go to the voting booth. And that's why we wanted to have the candidates on. So Evan, can't thank you enough for taking the time to be here. Yeah, okay, thank you. Oh, sorry, go ahead. Go, go on, no, no, no. Jason. I mean, I'm, I'm just going to echo the same thing Jeannie said, which is, you know, thank you so much for coming on, for lending your time. We know all the candidates have been hard at work, you know, kind of picking and choosing uh, some of the mediums that they want to have discussions. So we really thank you for coming on and, and taking the time to answer the questions and chat with us. And also just want to re- reiterate what Jeannie said, which is a big thing that motivates us here is to get residents of the town to know more about the issues that are going on, to know more about just how your town is managed, uh, both from a structural standpoint to also the people who are involved, and just kind of create more conversation around that. So we're not just having dogmatic discussions. And I think that this has really been helpful um, to elevate the level of conversation that we're having when we're talking about things that are having locally. So I wanna thank you for that, Evan, in bringing so many uh, things to light. Um, yeah, and, and listeners, I just wanna remind you that um, we have some really interesting people on the docket for us. We have um, the Federated HSA uh, President, Mary McCallie, um coming on. Um, she'll talk to us about all of the events that are happening at the school this year. And, and actually, we're really going to kind of dig into some of the issues that are still being resolved as a result of COVID. So I think that's going to be a really interesting conversation. And then, you know, we have another series that we're kind of tagging off of, of what Jordan is, is he's a Ridgewood High School graduate who has decided to move back to Ridgewood and to serve his community. So we have a couple of other people that are in that same demographic. We are going to be talking to Diane O'Brien, who is a city planner in New York City, and she's also lended her expertise to the planning board here in Ridgewood. And she was very instrumental in getting our master plan together. And um, so we're going to talk to her about some of the highlights of that and what Ridgewood can look forward to um, as we roll out some of the um I guess, what would you call it, Jordan? The ideas, the uh, recommendations from the master plan. That's what we're going to be taking a look at with Diane. And then we're going to be talking to Carly, who is um, the business manager over at the Benjamin and the Noma. She is um, does a lot over there. She's a Ridgewood High School graduate. She graduated with Jordan the same year. So we're going to talk to her about some of the things there. Um, we know that they, the residents of both of those housing units were given a survey recently on what they want to see in Ridgewood. So it kind of ties in with the master plan and, and you know how we can sort of expedite some of those things that our residents really want. So and just, just to those uh, conversations. Yeah, so it's elements of the master plan. Elements. Thank you. Okay, good. What did I say it was? <laughs> I, 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 I don't think you threw a label on it. I think I okay. think we were, uh, but the, the, it describes it as elements. So. Okay, so that's perfect. So we're going to use that professional wording, which is the right thing to do. Um, and I would imagine at some point, you know, I haven't asked him formally, but, you know, he has been on this podcast before. He is a Ridgewood High School graduate. He is now a county commissioner. Um, so I would imagine at some point we'll have uh, Ramon Heche um, back on. I've talked to uh, Jim Stroker, and we're excited to have him come on the podcast. So, you know, listener or listeners, in my hope, um, that you will tune in and um, find out about the leaders and legends of this village and also hear about uh, the, the town's hot topics as we dig into them. So 
Hasta la vista. Until we meet again, everyone. Thank you so much.